and welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. As always, Tanner Dillon here with y'all. Before we get started, don't want to let, don't want y'all to forget subscribe on whatever platform y'all are listening to this on iTunes, Google, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, multiple other podcast uh, platforms, uh, many of which I know coexisted, to be honest with y'all, um, until I started doing this. And if you have, if you're listening on uh, Apple, uh, on an Apple device, uh, do uh, hit the review section on there. You can re- leave a written review or just a star review, preferably a five-star review, uh, but all are accepted um, on there. Uh, I believe we have increased the number of reviews over the past few uh, weeks. I didn't really pushed that prior, but that seemed to increase since I've done it. So uh, five, leave, leave a five-star review on iTunes, uh, Apple device, if you're listening on one of those devices. Um, I don't believe there's any kind of review uh, tool on Google Podcast or Spotify. I don't use those, so if there are, let me know. Um, but I don't believe that. I believe iTunes is the only one that lets you do that. Um, so that's it for a little intro part of there. Um, it's conference preview series time still, which means we're previewing one conference today. Uh, on Tuesday, previewed the CAA. And then obviously y'all listening here on Thursday. I'm recording here on Wednesday, uh, January 6th. And we are previewing the Ivy League. Tuesday, as I mentioned, was the CAA. Was the CAA. Y'all can go back and listen to that one if you have not. Uh, we've also done the what is it? The Big Ten, the Big East, the America East, and the ACC. We've done all those thus far. Now moving on to the Ivy League, and next Tuesday will be the MAC and NEC. Those are both next week, and then the Patriot League and the SoCon will be the week after that to wrap up this preview series. Uh, I will talk about the two independents that are playing this year uh, on that last one as well. I know I've got some questions about when I was going to involve the independents. I will talk about them um, on that last episode. But let's get into the Ivy League today, shall we? And um, first and foremost, I do want to mention the Ivy League has suspended play until at least March 1st. And anything past that right now, as far as if they're going to play or not, has yet to be seen. I will tell you, I do know of two schools that may be leaning towards not playing. Um, but at the moment, I haven't heard anything definitively that there will be teams not playing if the conference does play. I know there's some teams with some opt-outs, most notably Princeton. We'll have to see what happens there. But, and then Harvard, I believe, has some um, issues as well. Um, but all the those are the only two teams I've heard anything about having roster size issues, maybe not enough players to play. Uh, but, you know, I haven't heard anything since 
December, which was just a few last week, but I haven't heard anything since last month that would make me think the Ivy League is not going to play. I do believe they will play. Could there be teams opt out? Certainly. And the Ivy League is the one conference um, that is, you you could suggest a team would do that because they do that kind of stuff in the Ivy League um, while we don't in other conferences that are legit in all athletics. Um, Just putting that out there. Um, But I do believe the Ivy League will play. So got that little tidbit out of the way. And, you know, as I've done on the past couple podcasts, um, with every league except for the Big Ten and the ACC, I have kind of identified a top two, top three, kind of broken those teams down more uh, than the other ones. And then outside of those top two or three, I have just provided some anecdotal things about those teams, um, have identified some dark horses or kind of that second tier and talked about them a little more in depth um, in some of these conferences. And that's what I'll be doing on this one as well. And, you know, when you're talking about favorites, about the top two teams in the conference in the Ivy League, no question to anyone is, like, no question, it's Yale and Cornell. Um Yale obviously won that 2018 title, which honestly feels like 10 years ago at this point. Um, And they were looking to go to the third straight championship weekend appearance last last year before the season was cut. Um, You know, they certainly have the ability to go to a championship weekend appearance again here in 2021. And a big part of that is due to T.D. Irwin coming back. Uh, there was a, you know, he transferred in from Albany, so he had, um, he was able to come back for the fifth season of college across while other players weren't because he's still within that. I think it's an eight-semester rule. because um, Yeah, it's an eight-semester rule that you can participate in the Ivy League. He's still within that. Um, eight-semester rule of play in the conference. So he was able to come back. While other guys like Matt Gaudet were not. Jackson Morrill obviously transferring out to Denver, as well as Lucas Cotton. So outside of Irwin, when you look at the uh, offensive end of this field, and offensive end of this team in particular, they've been hit pretty hard. Uh, I mentioned Gaudet's gone. He was the leading scorer. Morrill is gone. He was the third leading point getter, as well as Lucas Kotler, who was you know the top uh, midfielder. Now, yes, I think this attack and this attack was one of the most productive last season. And while I do think that this team could take a step back in the beginning of the season on the offensive end, you know, and I've mentioned Thomas Bragg before as a guy that I really like. He was a sophomore last year, uh, had 10 points, eight goals to assist 
as well as Matt Blandau, also a sophomore attackman last season. 10 goals, 6 assists. I think both those guys, uh, Blandau, we know what he is. We know what he's done. Blag still has a bit more to prove, but I do think he's a guy that could be a potential breakout player here in 2021 on the offense for the Bulldogs. Now, Kyle uh, Zadowski, believe how you pronounce his name, was a sophomore at the attack spot as well last season. One of those secondary guys. Um, Blag was essentially the the fourth attackman. So basically the top uh, reserve, Zadowski, was essentially their secondary, uh, second guy on that second line, uh, if you will. Um, he had three, goal, uh, three points, two goals, one assist last year as a sophomore. I think we see him step up as well. You also have Brady McDermott, who was a sophomore last year as well. Does he get some more uh, playing time, or do one of these freshmen that they have coming in get some more, uh, no, jump them and get some more playing time? They do have uh, David Anderson coming in, coming in at that attack spot, as well as Carson Cool, both four-star guys by inside lacrosse, both were studs. In high school, highly rated. We could see them uh, step it up as well. Um, so this is a an offense and really an attack unit um, that was very, very good last year that I think is going to take a step back here in 2021. But I think will likely still be uh, one of the best in the Ivy League. Um, and in part because of they're going to have the ball so much, they're going to be able to uh, progress very well uh, when you get the ball that much, um, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to do so uh, with TD Irwin coming back. And I think, you know, if TD Irwin did not come back, this would be having a completely different conversation. I think Cornell would be not head and shoulders the best team in the conference, but I think there would be much more discussion about Cornell and them being the top team in the league um, if Irwin did not come back. Um, and that's actually, you know, I, I you know, had some discussions back prior to the Irwin announcement about like, hey, because Jeff Teat announced he was coming back first. And then Irwin announced after that. So after that news of Teat coming back, you know, it, it was clear like, okay, if Irwin does not come back, which we, didn't, we weren't, weren't sure if that was the case at the time, this is Cornell's league to lose. Now it's Yale's to lose again. And as I mentioned, they've been very successful and their offense has been really good. But one thing that I think, and I think their defense did take a step back last year um, and Jack Starr had some injury things early on in the season. Well, he didn't play and you had Brody Wilson step in as a senior and he played fairly well. Um, Jack Starr didn't play a ton last year. Obviously, they only played, what, five games, something like that, um, with that one loss to UMass. And so and I don't think Starr played at all against Villanova in their opener. Yeah, he did not play at all in that opener. That was all Brody Wilson. So Jack Starr is back as a senior. He's healthy. Uh, you have Chris Fake back as a senior as well. 
Um, you know, he's been one of the top defensemen in the country since his freshman season. Bryce Demuth, Demuth, uh, who was a junior last year, is a junior. He has been very successful on that defensive end, and I think with Fake and Demuth, uh, with Star and Cage fully healthy again, this is going to be pretty strong defense. Now, I will say, I will say, losing Will Weitzel, Xander Martin, looks to be that prime candidate to step into that spot. Weitzel, um, obviously one of the top two defensemen for this team last year, that's a big loss for them. But as I mentioned, Chris Fake's back, DeMuth is back, and Martin, you know, statistically wise in what he's done, looks to be that guy that can step into that uh, third attack spot and, you know, fill the hole there for this Eli's defense. But I think this this Yale defense is this Yale defense. And, uh, you know, you can debate, do you put face off on offense or do you categorize them as a defensive position? I'm in more of the boat of putting them as a defensive position because they do keep the ball away from the opposing team. I think when you factor in the returns on defense, fake, star, and then Erwin at the dot, and the fact that even though they do lose some really talented dudes off of that offense, Matt Brandau's back, Thomas Bragg is back. This is a team that, to me, still looks like the best in the in the Ivy League. Not as good as they've been in the past, but I still think that there is a... I don't know if I would say there's a gap between them and Cornell, but I do think they're they are the better of the two. Now, Cornell, this is a team that, you know, they lost their head coach. Peter Milliman went to Johns Hopkins. Connor Busick, who honestly, to me, it seems like he was just playing there yesterday um, with Rob Pinnell and them dudes. Um, and, you know, Connor Busick, I remember watching him in high school. Um, I, I was younger, obviously, but I remember him coming down here to Louisville, and they played Trinity uh, here, and I remember watching him in high school. So uh, it seems like Connor Busick was just playing yesterday, and he still plays in the PLL. Um, and I think he might be, uh, if you know, he's, an, he's the interim head coach this year, I think he might be the youngest head coach if you consider him a head coach. I know some people uh, – because he has that interim tag, obviously, don't really consider that. But I think if you uh, look at all the dudes leading programs this year, he's probably it, – it'd be hard-pressed to find someone younger than him across the board in the NCAA. I mean, he just graduated, what, five years ago, six years ago, something like that? Um, so he's still a fairly young, fairly young head coach, which – and he's the interim, but which is kind of why I suspect they might not keep him on. After this year, they might um, go for a actual search instead of just removing that tag, as they did with Milliman. And but at the same time, I do think this year, twenty twenty one, with all the you know variations that we could see in scheduling, certainly from the, certainly from the Ivy League, this could be a year 
much like we saw in 2018. Was 2018? Yeah, 2018 with the big red and how they went to that. Uh, would they go to the quarterfinals? Uh, they they won the Ivy League. They go to the quarter, quarterfinals with Millman as the interim. I do think this is this is you know I and I, in my preview that I wrote for Cornell back in August. I said 2021 will be deja vu for Cornell, and that is very correct. Um, you have an interim head coach. You have a good roster. Obviously, you're not coming off of a piss-poor year, multiple piss-poor years, uh, unacceptable performances for Cornell, for a program of their caliber that they had prior to Millerman. You're not coming off of that, but you still – have an interim head coach. And I think with that, because it's a dude that played there, that knows the program, you know, I do think that is a plus, uh, despite Busick's young age. Teat coming back is a huge plus, obviously. 27 points from uh, the number one overall NLL draft pick last season. Hashtag tank for, te- tank for Teat was a literal thing. Um, and then outside of Teat, this is an offense that I am a big fan of. And I think a lot of people, including myself at some points, do underestimate the entirety of this offense because Teat carries so much weight. John Piatelli will be a senior this year at that attack spot. Jonathan Donville is the head of of that midfield unit. Michael Long was one of the best freshmen last year in the country at attack for this big red squad. We'll see how he steps up here as a sophomore. And then, you know, while Telesco and Fletcher, uh, I believe they lose both of those guys, J.J. Lombardo uh, is will be a junior this year. He played very well last season at the midfield spot. And I remember watching. I remember watching him in high school and how good he was then. So this is an offense um, that, outside of T, is very well balanced, well put together, and um, this is an offense that's gonna work. Uh, Donville is a fantastic player. Piatelli and Long are both fantastic players as that second and third attack spot. Um, this is an offense that's gonna be pretty, pretty good this year outside of T and obviously T coming back was the cherry on top, but even if he wouldn't have, this is a team that's still going to be that still would have been fairly, fairly good, probably in the same situation as the second best in the conference. Now, defensively Cornell has not been good. um, Recently, like they have been a team that, They've been a team that maybe hasn't, they haven't lived up to the expectations on defense. They have not. But I do think this is a defense that could certainly be better this year than they have been in the past. And I think they showed some growth last year. You return Chase Irwin in cage. That is obviously a huge, huge aspect. I think he bailed out that defense a lot last season. 
But, and you do lose Brandon Salvatore as well on defense, which is not um, the best. Dom Doria uh, comes back as well as a senior. Frank Sanguino, I believe you pronounce his name, is back as well. Both those guys played fairly well last season. I don't think Cornell will still be the best defense in the Ivy. I don't think they're probably close to that. Uh, but I think they're a lot closer to that uh, top-tier defensively of the conference with Irwin returning in cage. Um, I believe he's a junior this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, a junior this year. Chase Irwin, one of the best goalies in the country. I'd put him by top 10, top 10-ish, uh, maybe top like 8, 9. Uh, depending, I would have to look at a full list and statistics and all of that, but would certainly put him top top ten. Um, and then, you know, at the faceoff dot, you know, I I don't think it's 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 any question that Angelo Petrakis was one of the best um, at his position as a freshman last season. Uh, Petrakis, you know, came in with a lot of hype, um, being a highly uh, rated prospect out of high school. And I think he's lived up to that, certainly, uh, through uh, what he got of his freshman season. So Cornell is is, is, is covered fairly well on, on both ends of the field and in the middle of the field at that face-off dot, at the face-off spot. Um, and not, you know, there's no question this is a team uh, to be feared this season. This is a team to uh, which shall be respected and I think is, is one of the better ones in the conference. Um, in my rankings, like I have them second in the conference um, just behind Yale. And I mentioned, it, I don't think it's necessarily, I think there is a bit of a gap, maybe you could argue, but I don't necessarily think it's that big of a gap as some people might want to um, suggest that it is because this Cornell team, despite losing Milliman uh, to Hopkins, despite some of the losses they have at various spots, is still a very, very good team that's going to make some noise this season. Now, Cornell, Yale, Cornell, obviously the top two Ivy contenders. I think when you look at that next tier, it has got to be Penn and Brown. And I'll talk about Brown here first. Um, They do have some really, they were another, both of these teams actually were able to return some guys uh, for a fifth season. Brown was able to not only bring back Luke McCaleb, who was their top attackman last season, but was also able to bring back Phil Goss, who's been one of my personal favorite goalies um, over the past couple seasons, bring him back uh, for a fifth year. So both of them dudes are back, and uh, this is a Brown team that they ended last season beating Virginia. They beat Virginia 14-13 to in overtime, Absolute fantastic game to end the season for them on. Obviously, season gets canceled um, the very next week. 
uh, what was that a Wednesday or Thursday? I just remember it was like it was like you know Black Monday in the NFL. Uh, it was it was like you know, everybody gets fired. Felt like that for like the whole lacrosse community. It was like Black Thursday. Um, that day was, um, and I think you know what we saw in that game from them. And look, they lost to Stony Brook and Providence last year by one goal in both of them games. In both of those games, they killed Sacred Heart. They beat Quinnipiac pretty handedly. And Quinnipiac was very young. Sacred Heart had some significant losses from the prior year as well. So they were supposed to win those games. I think when you look at what Brown did last year, look at who they bring back, there was nothing but positivity in Providence right now for what this team could potentially do here in 2021. Goss back obviously gives them a humongous, humongous, uh, a humongous lift, a humongous, um, I'm trying to think of the word, edge. It gives them a big edge. Trying to give them a big edge, gives them a big edge on the defensive end. He had 62 saves last season, 59% of, 56% save percentage um, last season, 9.83 goals per game, ranked uh, 16th and 19th in save percentage and goals against average when the season ended. McCaleb, obviously a big, uh, and, and this, and back to this defense real quick, like this is a defense that uh, was pretty good last year. Overall, um, but if they would have lost Goss, um, that was going to be a pretty heavy burden to kind of pick up. Um, you know, they do have, I, you know, I do like some of these polls they have. Adrian and Chill at the LSM spot uh, was very, very good last season. Um, he's a fantastic ground ball guy, uh, which I, I thought overall, like the face-off unit for Brown last year was one of the best, uh, Matt Gunty back as well, which, and as I mentioned like that, that just helps an entire team. Um, he was a freshman last year, went 67% of the dot. Ivy League had a lot of freshman success at the face-off dot, you know, um, Gunty was certainly one of them and chill at the LSM spot. I think you could possibly slide him, uh, up to close this year. Um, if, if, if it comes to that, um, they also get Luke Gatos back and Andrew Geppert, uh, which are the top two, uh, returning close defensemen. So overall, I think this Brown defense is pretty solid, uh, and certainly, even more solid than uh, they would have been without him with Goss uh, returning. And then you look at the offensive end, and I, I mentioned McCaleb is back, and that's a huge, huge get, a huge return for them um, on offense at the attack spot. They also get back Ryan Augevin. I believe is how you pronounce his name. Again, I'm very bad at pronunciations. Uh, senior midfielder. 18 points, 11 goals, 7 assists last season. Darian Cook as a junior at attack as well. They do lose Jack uh, Niffin, 
uh, Kiffin, uh, again, bad pronunciator. Uh, they do lose him at the attack spot, which is a pretty significant loss, and we'll see who steps up into that third attack spot. But with McCaleb and Cook both back, this is going to be a pretty dang good attack, attack as well as Ogivin back uh, at the midfield, George Grell uh, and Reed Moschetti, both uh, at that midfield as well, returning. So essentially your entire midfield and all but one of your starting attackmen are back for Brown. You get your starting goalie back. This is a team that you know, could make some noise. You know, I don't think they're necessarily um, of the ilk of Yale and of Cornell, but I think that next tier, certainly Brown has got to be put into that second tier. And you know, the other team that I mentioned is in that tier is Penn. Um, last year wasn't the best year for them. Um, they played, again, a very, very tough schedule. Um, and I think coming off of that 2019 run, where they went undefeated for so long until losing in the uh, semifinals against Yale. Oh, no, quarterfinals, excuse me, quarterfinals against Yale. And people forget that was their first quarterfi- quarterfinal appearance since 1988, and that year they made the semifinals. So they haven't, they haven't been back to the semifinals since 88, which was the last time they played in the quarterfinals, broke that streak. And you know, I don't think anyone thought Penn was of the ilk uh, talent-wise that they could make another run like that. I don't think they're going to do that again here in 2021. But I do think this is a team that certainly has the talent to at least make the Ivy League tournament and at least contend for the Ivy League title, just like Brown. Uh, Another team that could sneak up on some people, uh, to be honest with y'all. And they always play a tough schedule. I'm interested, interested to see what scheduling uh, looks like for Penn this year, obviously with the limitations that could be put on scheduling. Uh, we don't know of that yet, uh, definitively from the Ivy League, but how does that impact this team? Um, because, look, they are one of the most t- battle-tested teams every single year. You're talking they play Maryland, Duke, Penn State. That's the opening three games last year was Maryland, Duke, Penn State, and they beat Duke. Always upset Duke, seems like. 14-11, to 11, that one was. Um, you had Sean Lowy, who's back. Seven points, six goals, one assist. Adam Goldner, he's back for the fifth year. Um, I mentioned Penn being able to bring some guys back. Adam Goldner, they do bring back. Um, Sam Handley is back for uh, his junior season. He didn't have the best sophomore year. Maybe a sophomore slump. I don't know. Um, but he's back. You have Dylan Gagar back at that attack spot. Um, and just overall, this is a, a team that it, it is capable of being very good. And I think they're going to sneak up on some people. But again, you know, we, you know, we don't know necessarily what schedule is going to look like. How does a potential softer schedule 
impact them in the later stages of the season. Now, I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue that. I would argue that Penn's tough scheduling early on has helped them at times later on in the season, but we didn't really see that. We haven't seen that too too much. Twenty nineteen, I think, was one of the years that we did see that. We'll see how things pan, pan out this year. Um, another guy I do want to mention, BJ Falar, personally one of my favorite players in the country to watch. You know, has been the motor really of 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 this team, the heart and soul of this team. Uh, certainly was the one of the driving factors of this um, of this run they had in 2019, and with. Kyle Thornton and Mark Evanchek both both getting uh, both you know, not able to come back. Thornton obviously at uh, Notre Dame. Evanchek went pro. Both you know gone from the program. I think BJ Ferrari might be the best one-on-one defender. Like to be honest with y'all, and they do return Peter Blake as their lone close defenseman, but BJ Ferrari is probably the best defender coming back here in 2021. And obviously, Patrick Birkenshaw is in cage again. And he had a solid start last year after transferring in from Virginia. And he's going to be fine. Um, I do... My, my, my biggest question besides the losses of Thornton and Evan Chick, and I mentioned that offense, and I'm, I'm very uh, confident in this Penn offense, but... You know, it's not the best, but I'm certainly confident in it. My my biggest question for this team outside of defense, um, close defense, is at the faceoff dot with the loss of Kyle Gallagher. Um, he was the only man that could go toe-for-toe with T.D. Irwin for a full 60 minutes. He gave him one heck of a challenge every time Penn suited up against Yale. So we'll have to see how that uh, turns out. Uh, Anthony Giuliani, James uh, Zuzzi, and Matt Palazzi are the three returners at that face-off dot. Um, we'll see which one or who they do put uh, out there, trot out there as a starter when they do get to play. Um, but it's that's going to be an interesting storyline, uh, certainly for this Penn team here in 2021. So, you know, again, another really good team that I I think is definitely that second tier. How good exactly are they? You know, that is that's yet to be seen. Now, moving on to the, um, I wouldn't I don't want to call this the basement, but kind of that third tier of the Ivy League, and one of these teams is put there this year simply because we just don't know what's going to happen. And that's Princeton. Uh, Princeton, as we know, has multiple opt-outs. Multiple, multiple opt-outs. And when I say multiple, I mean they they have a lot. Like, I think it was upwards of 20. I know on the women's side. I'm not exactly sure the exact numbers, but it's a lot that aren't returning or aren't going to be there this year uh, that have opted out for the season already. Have some opted back in? No. I haven't really um, heard or seen anything to suggest that, but certainly there are opt-outs at Princeton. 
Um, I think this is a program that, and look, I've called this program the Nebraska, uh, the Tennessee of college lacrosse multiple times. Um, false hope, you know, whatever you want to say. Um, but the fact of the matter is, last year was their one chance to get back to the elite level of college lacrosse that people have been clamoring, Princeton fans have been clamoring for this program to get back to for years. Not having guys opt out for 2021, possibly not having enough guys to field a team, you know, certainly is not good. Um, but I think this team, certainly, if these dudes that have opted out do stay with Princeton, which guys leaving the Ivy League is certainly on the recruiting trail, has been a noted thing recently um, for players leaving the Ivy, uh, flipping from Ivies, has been a certainly, um, it's been a topic that's been brought up multiple times. Uh, it's been talked about. Do some of these guys that um, at some of these schools opt out and then transfer to non-Ivies? You know, I don't know. But if everything holds still and Princeton does play, they have a full roster, which I don't expect them to have at all, this can be a really good team. They had a lot of really good players last year outside of Michael Salas. Um, Alex, uh, Alex Vidalo uh, was... A very, very strong midfielder uh, as a junior. Alex Slusher was a very good midfielder um, as a sophomore. Jake Stevens was also a great player. This is a, you look at the guys they had last year, and it was a midfield that was fairly uh, fairly strong. Chris Brown uh, was you know, the second leading scorer behind uh, Sowers at the attack spot. And then you had Eric Peters and Goal, who I thought played very well last season um, in the games they were able to get in. And then, you know, just like um, just like I mentioned with the uh, the Ivy League and the uh, young faceoff guys last year, Princeton had a very good faceoff unit last season as well. Um, with Tyler, with uh, Tyler Sandoval, who was a freshman, uh, he played very well. Uh, this is a Princeton defense that was better than they had been in the past. They had the 28th best defense in the country. Um, ben Finlay uh, was one of the best polls, uh, one of the only ones who started all five games, and certainly uh, was a big piece of that. George Ball. Uh, was another huge piece of that defense last season. So essentially, Princeton had a lot of talent going forward outside of Sowers. What that's going to lead to, how much of it's back in 2021, I don't know. And honestly, I can't tell you what this team will be. The same goes for Harvard, to be honest with y'all. Harvard, if you look at their, I'm going to pull up their, um, their roster right here, but they had like, they only had like 13 dudes on their roster in the fall. Now they said 
well, those are the guys that are on campus. Those are, we don't have any opt outs at the moment. I, I I understand that. So they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine freshmen listed on here, including some really good ones: George Alvarez, uh, goalie, I believe, um, Sam King, really really good uh, offensive talent. And then they have what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven uh, upperclassmen or non non freshmen, uh, including one sophomore. That's exactly what they had this fall. The other opt outs at Harvard, I've heard of some, but I couldn't be. You know, that's not coming from a place that I could tell you definitively. Yes. Now. When you look at what this team was last year, again, they were a team. I you know, I'm a big Jerry Bone fan. I think Jerry Bone is gonna do a good job up there in Cambridge. But and look, Harvard was not that far off from the competition last season. Now they beat UMass ten to nine. They lose the Holy Cross nine to eight and lose the Albany by one goal as well. They beat Fairfield 15-12. to And then the season gets canceled. They hadn't even played a home game yet. Well, they had played one home game against Fairfield, but that was it. Austin Madronic, great player. You know, this is a team, again, that was not able to return a lot of their seniors. Uh, Harvard and Princeton, I believe, were the only two that weren't allowed to return anybody. And I think Dartmouth wasn't able to as well. So again, just like Princeton, we don't really know what this uh, Crimson team is going to be in 2021. Could they be pretty good? Yeah. I mentioned Austin Madronic is a great player at that attack spot. He's their top offensive threat. Nick Loring is, uh, is their top midfielder. And he has been very, very good. Kyle Salvatore uh, is the the second, you know, statistics-wise, the second dude at the midfield spot. Frank Tangredi um, was a junior last year. And, you know, as Ed, uh, I think he was listed as an LSM, uh, but a fantastic defenseman and can also make some plays on the offensive end. Harvard has continually had success at, on the recruiting trail, you know, and we've talked about before, the development is just not there. They're getting these dudes in there. You know, uh, Isaiah Dawson is a guy that, you know, I, I, you know, we see we've seen flashes of. He was highly rated coming out of high school. We've seen flashes. We just got to see some more from him. And I think the only dude that you could say has really. Uh, I honestly don't think you could say any of the highly rated recruits from the Wojcik era have lived up to the hype. Um, and hopefully that changes here soon because I do think Jerry Byrne is a good coach. I think he's done, he's obviously, he did a lot of great things at Notre Dame as the DC coming in as the head coach at Harvard, a program that has historically been the most underperforming program in the country, certainly in the Ivy League. I think he can turn things around, but it's it's going to take some time. You know, I don't expect anything big from them this year, but I do think 
depending on who they bring back and depending on what, again, the schedule looks like and all of that, I think this is a team that can compete uh, when they're fully together with all the dudes that we expected them to bring back when the season was... Once we heard Ivies aren't allowing seniors back, obviously despite uh, some teams that did allow that um, to a certain extent, when we first heard that news and you looked at Harvard and you said, okay, a lot of young talent that can blossom. I think that's certainly still true. So we'll see, again, what happens with this team here in 2021. But, again, like I'm not expecting anything special, to be honest with you all. Dartmouth. Dartmouth, you know, I... I, I, I've said before, this is a program, everyone knows the challenges of the program. The school, the structure of the school calendar is whack. It, no, I don't want to say whack, but it, it's different. If I think it's on, I cannot remember what podcast it was on, but there is a podcast where, um, so I think Inside and Lacrosse did one with um, with um, Rick Soul, and then there is one with Andy Towers as well. I think with I think it's Carcatera with U.S. Lacrosse Magazine um, with Andy Towers, and I know IL has one with um, Soul. So. Um, both those guys obviously coached at Dartmouth. Both had varying degrees uh, of success there. Obviously, um, Towers, I think, was there less than Seoul. Or Seoul might have been there less. But Seoul, obviously, is the most successful coach they've had. Um, certainly in you know, the NCAA era. And, um, you know, I think both, if I remember correctly, both podcasts, both coaches kind of talk about the challenges that face coaches at Dartmouth. And that is true. There are a lot of challenges here. But I think Brendan Callahan's done a good job of recruiting and getting some good talent in there. Um, and they've certainly, I think I wrote about this a few weeks ago, Dartmouth is starting to attach themselves to the South more and more. Um, get They've got some good dudes out of Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, other areas in recent years. Not all of them have panned out maybe the way that um, we uh, they have wanted to, at least yet. Um, still of them still fairly young. Um, but they have been getting more kids from the South. And they did look pretty good in their games last year. Dartmouth did. Uh, beating Merrimack, beating Bryant, beating UMass Lowell by a lot. And they had that 9-8 to loss against Vermont, which... Vermont is, you know, not a team to, uh, you know, that's not a bad loss. Vermont is a very good team. I think they probably would have beaten St. John's. They likely would have lost to North Carolina. They likely, and, you know, they likely would have beat Hartford. I, you know, I didn't see them beating any Ivy teams. I don't think they were uh, better than, than Cornell, obviously, or Yale, or Princeton, or Penn, or Brown. But this is a team that, certainly non-conference-wise, was better than they had been in the past. I think that is a, that's a good sign, obviously. 
it's a step in the right direction. They do return some really good dudes this year. George Prince, Matt Paul, Tommy Logan. All three dudes back on attack this year. Uh, two seniors and a sophomore. All played very well last season. They lose Ben Martin, uh, which is a big loss for them at that attack spot. But this is a team that uh, is fairly good on the offensive end. And they had a younger core last year on that end, a year older. And I think things could could turn out uh, decently for this team in 2021. Now, defense, and that's offensively speaking. Defensively, uh, Daniel Hicks, uh, Hanks, excuse me, Daniel Hanks, uh, good goalie. Um, I think you know he's been a, a a bright spot of this defense. Um, they do bring back two of the top two poles in LSM Peter uh, Rosado, and then senior um, uh, Kellen uh, Paladine. So they bring both those dudes back, in addition to multiple other contributors. Hinkson Cage should be a decent defense. If, and look, if Dartmouth has to play, if the Ivy League says conference only, which I kind of expect them to do, and let's say they play each team twice or whatever, I think Dartmouth could get a win if a Harvard or a Princeton has a bunch of opt-outs. I think they could get a win against one of those two teams. Now, all things being considered, there will be opt-outs at Princeton. We do know that. Harvard, we do not know. Uh, but if there are opt-outs at those those two schools, I think they could possibly beat them. If there are suddenly opt-outs at other schools, that's a possibility. Um, now, if Dartmouth has any opt-outs I, and some of these top dudes opt-out, which I haven't heard anything about, and I don't know what they're doing for uh, spring semester, how many dudes they're having back, if they're bringing athletes back or not, what is going on there. This is a team that might be really bad, but they might be decent. I think that's what we're sitting at with this Dartmouth team here in 2021. Now, I've gone over all these teams in uh, the Ivy, and I've talked about each one to an extent. Obviously, Gave Yale and Cornell a bit more of my time than some of these other teams. Uh, but that is what we've been doing um, for the most part on these podcasts. Now, here's my, and I mentioned, there's still a lot of unknowns to that we have to sort out. But as of right now, you know, based off of what we know, here's my uh, rankings, my projected order of finish for the Ivy League. Number one, Yale. Number two, Cornell. I think that's that's undebatable. Yale, Cornell, top two teams. Number three, I have Brown. Number four, I have Penn. You could flip those. Honestly, I did go back and forth. Three and four, that was tough. Five, six, and seven, I have Princeton, Harvard, and Dartmouth. 
I mentioned the unknowns at Princeton and Hollywood. Maybe some more unknowns than they might have more unknowns than any other program. But just what I know right now, I would still put them five and six and Dartmouth at seven. And still, I mentioned like there's unknowns everywhere. And this conference has, has more unknowns than any other conference in the country. It's very, very difficult to analyze this conference right now. But we don't even know what the schedule is going to be like. With some other conferences, we at least know what their plans are looking to be. Ivy League, we essentially have nothing. We know they want to play. Like, they want to play. That's a fact. I think there was an article. I cannot remember where. Apologize for that. But the Ivy League commissioner was like, no, we want to play spring sports because they lost a season last year. We don't want them to lose two seasons. No. I will no do with that information what you will. Think of that what you will. Um, but that's honestly all we have right now. League-wise, league-wide uh, information. And then for certain teams, we know those question marks. We know some teams are fully, we're going to play. Some teams might be on the fringe of we might not be able to play. So we'll see how things shake out. But uh, nonetheless, will be a very, very interesting season in the Ivy League. So that is it for today's episode of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. We'll be back on Sunday with a mailbag episode. You can send in your questions via Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Lacrosse Bucket. My personal Twitter, at Tanner underscore Dimling. Also send email to contact at lacrossebucket.com. Lacrossebucket.com is a website. Uh, keep up there for all your latest college across and recruiting information and news. Also, I'll mention again, you can subscribe to the Lacrosse Bucket podcast via multiple platforms iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the most notable, as well as uh, plenty of other ones. That is officially it for today. Again, we'll be back on Sunday with a mailbag podcast. Have a great rest of the week.